Amateur Traveler, episode 650. Today, the Amateur Traveler talks about palaces and fortresses and temples, a wildlife sanctuary, a desert, and even a palace on wheels as we go to Rajasthan in India. Welcome to the Amateur Traveler. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Let's talk about Rajasthan. I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Pantaj Jain from the University of North Texas, where he is an associate professor in the Department of Philosophy and Religion. Dr. Jain, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris, for having me. It's fun to be here. And you are from Rajasthan in India, and that is what we're going to talk about today. So thanks for coming on and telling us about your your home region here. You grew up, as I understand, in Jodhpur. Jodhpur, yeah. So my mother is from Jodhpur, my father is from a very small village near Jodhpur, and uh, I was born in Pali, which is a small town near Jodhpur, yes. Excellent. Well, why, when somebody is planning a trip to India, should they go to Rajasthan? Rajasthan is, from my perspective, if not the most colorful state of India, certainly one of the most colorful states of India. Every uh, major town, every small town, uh, city has a huge palace, fort, there were a lot of kingdoms for centuries in Rajasthan, even after India got its independence in 1947. It continues to flourish with those palaces, forts, festivals, songs, music, food. Uh, every part of Rajasthan is vibrant with colors. And, and some of those uh, musical traditions have now become very globalized. And uh, many of those groups now travel globally. And so, so there is so much to offer when it comes to visit Rajasthan. Excellent. What kind of itinerary would you recommend? Where should we start? Right. So I think most people, when they think of India, they think of its capital, New Delhi, Mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty close to Rajasthan. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So people can go to New Delhi directly. uh, And there are international flights from uh, many American cities directly to New Delhi. And from New Delhi, uh, it's a short flight or short bus trip to the capital of Rajasthan, which is in Jaipur. Or an easy train trip as well. I've done that. Easy train train trip trip as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of trains, there's a very interesting train called Palace on Wheels. Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> a very nice train <laughs> called Palace on Wheels. <laughs> a nice, very aristocratic train Yes, where people can ride the train from New Delhi and it takes them to Agra. I've never take, taken that train. It's pretty expensive for a professor especially. Right. <laughs> but it goes, to, yeah, it goes from New Delhi to Agra, to Jaipur, to Jodhpur, uh, Savai Madhopur, Jaisalmer, Udaipur. It, it covers several of those places that have a lot of these palaces and forts and uh, wildlife sanctuaries and whatnot. That's an, uh, another interesting way to see New Delhi, Agra, and many other places in Rajasthan. Right, and to see it yeah. in a style to which I'd like to become accustomed. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as long as I can afford it. <laughs> Excellent, so you're starting yeah. us in Jaipur. Yes, right, so Jaipur, and then what I usually do is because I have my home in uh, Jodhpur and Udaipur areas. My parents are in the Udaipur area now. Uh, they have been until very recently. So I usually go to Udaipur first. And from Udaipur, I take a bus trip to Jodhpur. One can also hire a car. That's the best way to travel within India, by the way, as many of your earlier guests have said. So hire a car and the driver will be able to show you and take you around. So maybe rent a car and let the driver take you from Udaipur to Jodhpur. And in the same car or bus, one can go to 
Jaisalmer, which is the westernmost district of India, which is it's on the border of India and Pakistan. So, Udaipur to Jodhpur to Jaisalmer, and from Jaisalmer I came to Bikaner by car or bus trip, and from Bikaner back to Jaipur. So it makes a nice circle. So we're covering major historic heritage cities of Rajasthan, full of colors, full of energy, full of great, friendly, hospitable people, and whatnot. Okay. And the fact that you mentioned that it was next to Pakistan that puts it on the map, for those of you who don't know your Indian geography, we're in the shoulder of India, yes. the left shoulder of India, if you yeah. will. Uh, not the northernmost part, but in the north, and then all the way at the westernmost portion of India. Excellent. Right. So you started us in Jaipur. What are we doing in Jaipur? The first major destination in Jaipur is what is called as Hava Mahal. Mm-hmm. Hava means wind. And Mahal means palace. Mahal word is very, very uh, common across India because there are several palaces and all of them are called as Mahal. So Hawa Mahal is the palace of winds. Uh, other guests have also talked about it. So it's a nice historic heritage place. It's all painted in dark pink color because of a uh, special welcoming color that was used to welcome some of the royal guests to Jaipur uh, centuries ago. So one can start with Hawa Mahal. Are we touring it? I've only seen it from the outside. Beautiful building from the outside right in the middle of downtown Jaipur. Yes, yes. When I was growing up as a boy in in Rajasthan, I remember going inside it also. So there are windows inside and I went up to, I remember, fourth or fifth floor. Okay. And from there, one can really, I really experienced wind, I mean, a lot of wind. uh, And it could be very hot wind in the summer months. May or June, but other months it had that cooling effect. Probably they might not allow tourists to go inside anymore. I, th- I think they do. At least I saw tourists that seemed to be looking out the windows, although I did not okay. myself get inside. <laughs> okay, then yeah, then it makes sense to go inside and feel that cooling effect. I think it was mostly used by queens and ladies of the royal families where they could enjoy these processions going on in the streets, mm-hmm. especially around the festivals of uh, Diwali, Dashera. Gangor and many other festivals where animals and humans would participate in these processions and all these festivities, food and, and frolic going on around being the capital city. So that's what this building was used for. Excellent. And you mentioned the pink color and we didn't say it, but uh, Jaipur uh, nickname being oh, the, yeah. the pink city. Yes. Many of uh, Indian cities and villages have grown organically. So especially now, you know, some places we might see unplanned urbanization, what we call uh, as unplanned urbanization. But Jaipur is one of the oldest cities in mm-hmm. India that, that was designed very in a very well-planned manner with proper map and everything. So we see streets and markets in a very orderly fashion and uh, So that's one of the hallmarks of Jaipur. So in addition to being the pink city, as you mentioned, Chris, it's also one of the planned cities of India. I did not know that. And Mm -hmm. you had mentioned pink goes back for some centuries. I am reading that it actually only goes back to the 1800s to the tour of Prince Albert in 1876. They spent about 17 weeks cleaning up the city and, or no, I'm sorry, he spent 17 weeks touring India and the Maharaja of Jaipur, uh, who was very wealthy at the time, and and we're about to go see one of his other palaces, I think it was where you're taking next, that is really going to cement that fact in your mind, (laughs) that he was well off, but uh, he had this whole city painted, apparently, for... uh, A couple of centuries, yeah, a couple of centuries, all this happened, yes, yes. And then there was another, Maharaja means that royal king, right, Mm -hmm. the king or emperor, Uh, another Maharaja that, that is really famous, especially from my perspective, is that for last, uh, I think, uh, almost five centuries back, he designed these, what we might call as ancient, traditional... Uh, Astronomical I- instruments? Yeah, exactly. So the place name is Jantar Mantar, 
which mm-hmm. is what is the traditional name from Indian uh, languages. Uh, jantar Mantar. Jantar means literally means machine. Yantra. Yantra became Jantar. And Mantar means a chant. So oh. using hmm. these instruments, he and his colleagues could measure the distance from earth to sun and diameter of earth and distance to moon and all that long before Europeans discovered these distances they could measure all those astronomical entities from these instruments. And you say instruments, and I picture something that I can hold in my hand, but we're now talking about things that are as much as three stories tall, uh, world's largest sundial, and those sort of things. So uh, a very interesting place. Right. The name is Jantar Yantra Machine, but they're not our usual size instrument. They're pretty large. And he built the similar structures in other parts of India also. Mm Also in New Delhi, also in Ujjain, another ancient heritage city in Madhya Pradesh, the neighboring state of Rajasthan. So Ujjain, Jaipur, and New Delhi. He built all these astronomical research sites, as shall we call it. And stop me if I'm wrong. This is where I'm looking for your expertise here. Mm -hmm. My understanding is that one of the reasons that he was spending all this money and one of the reasons for this large installation wasn't just astronomy, but also astrology, the importance of understanding which is the important day that you wouldn't start a business on a day that was not auspicious, for instance, or plan a wedding or something else uh, without first making sure that it was a, a good day. Is that an oversimplification? <laughs> no, it's pretty accurate. I think astronomy and astrology went always, almost always together in, yep. in ancient India and medieval <laughs> India. And even to some extent, I think even in today's India, we're not professional scientists, but in traditional Indian mind, I think uh, astrology still plays pretty important role. Weekly forecasts uh, are published in all prominent newspapers and, and magazines and whatnot. And so, yeah, astronomy and astrology, they went pretty close together. Yes, forever. Yes. Excellent. Where to next? Right. So next would be the great, huge, large palace called the Amir Palace. Unfortunately, it is spelled as A-M-B-E-R. So it is pronounced as Amber Palace, which is a very incorrect way of pronouncing it. I have been saying that wrong. I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Many of your guests are guests also. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's not the amber color. Uh, amber means orange, I think, right? Orange is mm-hmm. color in our English language, but it's pronounced as Amir Fort or Amir Palace, ah, okay. which is where many Bollywood Hindi films have also been shot at that palace. It's a huge, large palace. And I went long back again as a, as a boy. But uh, but yeah, that's a great place to visit. Some elephant ride to enjoy there and just enjoy the architecture, the structure of the huge building and some great views from that, that part of Jaipur. Well, and this is the structure I was saying that if you have any questions about how well off the yes. Maharaja was, this is a enormous palace up on the top of a hill outside of the city and quite opulent inside with lovely buildings and residences and gardens and such. Uh, Definitely a must-see. Yes, yes. And that special room with all kinds of mirrors facing each other, so... So it gets really well lit, even if there was no electricity back in those days. Right. But just when one candle was enough to light the whole whole room, and so because of these mirrors, so some excellent ideas and designs that they they employed. Yeah. And you mentioned that there were a lot of forts in Rajasthan. As I'm yeah. counting it, there are eight different UNESCO World Heritage sites <laughs> alone in Rajasthan, which are forts. Yes. So yes. this is one of those. <laughs> yeah. After this certification from UNESCO World Heritage sites. Indian government's uh, department called Archaeological Survey of India, ASI, they have done a really wonderful job of preserving these monuments. They are very meticulously maintained, very neat and clean, all very green and clean also, mm-hmm. nice lawns. And everywhere I went, recently I went to Taj Mahal also. I'm sure everybody has heard of Taj Mahal. 
so all these monuments are, are really, really well well preserved thanks to that certification from UNESCO. I think that helped. Yeah. Well, and Jantar Mantar that we already talked yes. about is another one. So yes, on the line there. Yeah. Very well maintained. Excellent. Yes. Where are we off to? Right then, there is City Palace, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of a museum where all the palatial artifacts and monuments and, and many other things, art and craft and all those things are preserved in the city palace. So that's a kind of, a, I think, a very nominal ticket price. But then one can visit uh, inside this palace, where I think some part of the royal family still lives in that city palace, some parts mm-hmm. of it. And many other palaces have been turned into tourist five-star or seven-star hotels in Jaipur and other places right. in Rajasthan and India. <laughs> that you can visit on the Palace on Wheels, for instance. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so travel in Palace on Wheels and stay in these palatial hotels. So perfect way to just, enjoy Just it. whatever do, if you're going to book that, try and book it through an uh, Amateur Traveler affiliate link because I'd love a percentage of that. <laughs> yeah. Those are definitely going to be a little more expensive than where we stayed when we were there, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, so that, and then there is uh, after that one can probably go to uh, Ram Nivas Garden, which is a nice uh, garden with a lot of people enjoy there for mornings and evenings, and one can spend some nice time there. And then there is a bit far, uh, which actually I have to go also, uh, but I have heard some great stories about that that uh, temple. There is a temple. There are a lot of temples across India, as you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. And in Jaipur, it's no exception. One can uh, experience this vibrant religiosity across the streets of India, every part of India. So there is a place called Galtaji, G A L. T-A, Galta, and G is simply an honorific suffix after many names in India. So Galta Ji is a temple which has a sacred pond, and it has a lot of monkeys, but the idea is that oh, the monkeys right. are yeah, monkeys are also everywhere in, in many parts of India. So India takes very seriously the idea of uh, feminine divinity, right? So a so lot of goddesses in, in, across India. Mm-hmm. And this temple is dedicated to one of these goddesses, and where monkeys are also part of the divine campus. So that is, I think, about 30 miles from from Jaipur, and that's a great place to visit also. And then from Jaipur, so we are taking the journey that I took in in opposite direction. So I went to Jaipur at the last in my, because I started from Udaipur. But once, if we are done with Jaipur, when uh, we can go to Bikaner from Jaipur. The only thing, other thing I would yeah. say is in Jaipur, yes. if you are a shopper, this is an interesting yeah, yeah. place oh, yeah. to look for yes, yes. Um, jewelry. Yes, uh, yes, and even just to go in and watch as they're making some of the jewelry here, it's certainly yes. a place that's known for that. Yes, actually, in fact, I did right that in too. like two blocks of the Palace of uh, Wind. You'll find uh, some shops right in that area. Also, uh, Batik is uh, very popular there as well. Yes, thank you for reminding me of that. I was actually, I did visit that also. The, uh, one of the diamond polishing workshop mm-hmm. where they showed us actually how they polish the diamond. So India, Israel, and Belgium are the three biggest diamond trading leading com- countries in the world. Mm-hmm. So many Indians uh, traveled to Belgium uh, back in 50, 60, 70 years ago. In Antwerp, they established several shops and centers in Belgium also. So And within India, Palanpur in Gujarat, and Mumbai, of course, and also Jaipur. So Jaipur is the third biggest diamond center in India. Hmm. I didn't realize uh, that. Interesting. Many Jains and Hindus. So Jainism is another one of those ancient religions of India, in addition to Hinduism and Buddhism. Sure. Uh, Hinduism and Buddhism are much more well-known, but Jainism is also getting its fair share of recognition now. Uh, so many Jains are involved in this diamond trading business. Now, Jains think that any profession that they do, that profession should also be non-violent. And for some reason, diamond was chosen as nonviolent enough to be practiced. Huh. 
clearly they weren't concerned with blood diamonds at the time. So <laughs> I guess, yeah. So now we know it's, it's not violent by any means, but they maintain their, I guess, uh, traditional uh, profession that they have been employed in. So uh, across India now in Mumbai and Gujarat and in Jaipur, you see Jains predominantly in this diamond trading business. So yeah, Jaipur is definitely the place for that as well. Very, very rightly said. Yes. Well, and just a word on uh, Jains. If you were to see a Jain oh, yeah. holy man, for instance, uh, it would yes. be... Uh, it would be notable, let's just say, because we're talking yes. about some place where there's a belief in nonviolence to the extent of trying not to even kill any living thing or flies yes. or, or things like that. Uh, and what would he look like? In India, your religion is part of life. Many people mm-hmm. say that religion is way of life. Uh, so one of the ways we can uh, see Jainism in action, I guess, many parts of India, you will see Jain monks and nuns mm-hmm. walking barefoot. Many Jain monks and nuns will wear these face masks in their effort to be non-violent even as they speak and breathe. So they don't want to even accidentally, they do, do not want to ingest any microbes as they speak or breathe. And many Jain monks and nuns you might see while you visit India, they will be brushing off as they walk. They want to be so careful that even accidentally they do, do not want to step on any bug or any insect. So very carefully they will walk and they will be wearing these face masks. So by that you can recognize these Jain monks and nuns. Excellent. And then you were taking us out from Jaipur and where are we heading? Since we are on the topic of Jainism and Rajasthan and heritage, so why don't I mention one more thing on this related topic. There are many Christian universities in, in our own country right here in America. There are many Catholic universities and so on. There is only one university that is dedicated to Jainism and that is also in Rajasthan. Okay. And that is on our way from Jaipur to Bikaner. On the way is, is a small village called Ladnu, L-A-D-N-U. And there is where this university is, and I've visited twice uh, in the last 10 years. And there you see several Jain monks and nuns living there, teaching, studying, doing research, and so on, full of peacocks. So as you wake up, you'll hear with these natural music created by the peacocks and peahens, and the entire place is vibrant with chantings going on and so on. So that's another interesting village there also nearby. And from there, one can go to Bikaner, which is another big city, smaller than Jaipur. But now we are almost entering the desert, real desert, right? So Rajasthan, the western area parts of Rajasthan are all desert. So Bikaner, Jaisalmer, and Barmer, these are the three districts that touch the border of Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And these are the districts that are real, full of desert. So very less water, very less rainfall every year. All of these places, again, have a major fort or a palace or both in all these towns. So that's where we get to see the real desert. So point to be made is that you know, one should not go in May or June, June months because they're extremely hot. And because, <laughs> <laughs> But other part, other months are fine. So I think October, November, December should be much better to visit these places. Yeah. Now, with Rajasthan, is there as much a concern about avoiding the monsoon months, or is that something that I'm not going to notice in Rajasthan? Yeah, Rajasthan being the desert, it's not going to be flood or (laughs) heavy rainfall that one might be worried about in places like Mumbai or or even southern India or even other parts of India. Rajasthan does not get that much rainfall being the desert state, but summer heat could be an issue. yeah. So as, is there a favorite month that you have for travel back to Rajasthan? Yeah, I think after July is fine also. July, August is much better. Also, winter months are fine. December, November, December. All, yeah, after July, August should be fine. Okay, yeah. so just avoid July and August and there's no other particular... Is there a particular yeah. month for 
a festival or something else that would be particularly interesting to be in Rajasthan for? Yeah, I think October, November months of Diwali and Dashera festivities okay. would be great to enjoy. Particularly and yeah, colorful. Although colorful would be March. Watch your camera. March. <laughs> yeah, Holi, Holi is the most colorful festival. Yeah. So March is the month for that. But that's just, I think, one or two days of color festivities. But Diwali goes on for many, many days. So more festivities around the month of October and November. And then these festivals also, they do not have fixed dates on our calendars. They're on a lunar calendar. Exactly. They follow the lunar Hindu calendar, which is Mm -hmm. based on lunar calendar. So they can vary uh, in terms of a couple of weeks here and there. Excellent. Well, you were taking us to... Bikaner? Right. So Bikaner, yes. So Bikaner has another huge palace fort. Uh, and so that I visited uh, very recently, just a few months back, actually, last summer, July 2018. So that's a beautiful, another very nicely built and reddish color of stone that they've used in that palace. Also, another interesting place and, near And the Bikaner, name of that palace is the... Just the Bikaner fort is what I remember. I think it goes by its name of the... Okay, got it. Name of the emperor, Yeah. And then another interesting place near Bikaner is a huge attraction for many documentaries, is a temple uh, also for uh, one of the goddesses called Karni Mata. Mata simply means mother. So Karni goddess or Karni Mata. And that temple is famous because it, it worships, the de- devotees are very respectful towards hundreds of rodents that are, <laughs> that are roaming around even inside the temple. And they feed the milk to, to these rodents, and, and that's also one of the attractions for rodents. many so this is This is the famous rat temple is the other yes. name for this. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Rodents sounds much better when you say it that way. But. <laughs> yeah. So, right, so that's near Bikaner. And we realize we just talked some people out of going to Rajasthan. This is, this, this is a particularly local thing that happens in this one temple. But yeah, but yeah it's, it's great to imagine and experience what kind of acceptance Indians have for, for flora and fauna, for mm-hmm. wildlife, even rodents are part of the religious lives, religious practices. So not only we see cattle roaming around in cities, but all kinds of animals, pigs and donkeys, monkeys, elephants, camels, across Indian cities, villages, highways, and everywhere we see these, these animals roaming around. And, and people have great tolerance and acceptance for all these animals. Even national highways, there are, uh, when I remember when I was traveling in Himalayas, there was this sign saying that this is the elephant zone. So if you see an elephant, stop your car, let the elephants pass, and then you pass. <laughs> I'm sure we have those around here as well, yeah. <laughs> no, here, here the scene is completely different. In, on you don't, our you don't have highway, those in, in Dallas? <laughs> on the contrary, on our national highways, we say no pedestrians allowed. Not even humans are allowed on our national right, highways. Right. Only cars, only cars. <laughs> But there on national highways, even elephants are allowed. So that's the kind of radical difference. And so, yeah, that's pretty much what I did in Bikaner. From Bikaner, again, taking a car trip to Jaisalmer. Jaisalmer, I, I did many, many more things there. So Jaisalmer being the border district. District is the word used for county in India. Just okay. as we have counties here, there is a district there. So Jaisalmer district is on the border of India and Pakistan again. Again, there are these heritage hotels where one can enjoy, live traditionally like, like an emperor, maybe pretty much, and uh, get some good service and good food and whatnot. There are great havelis in Jaisalmer. Havelis are the traditional palatial mansions that traders used uh, in Jaisalmer. Large, you know, wealthy traders lived in those havelis okay. or palatial mansions. Well, and, and now we're talking about things that I might actually be able to afford, I think. 
Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you and I can afford and we can visit and, and enjoy some, take some great pictures. Mm-hmm. Jaisalmer also has a nice fort again, Fort Palace. Mm-hmm. And that Fort Palace is actually kind of a city by itself, a sub-city within a city, I guess. Uh, so, and that's called as the Golden Fort, Shwanar Kila, which means Golden Fort. Okay. Right? So when sun shines on that fort, it really radiates as if it's all made out of gold. So that's the name given to that, that fort. Uh, and that's a very large, as I said, a city within city. There are many ancient temples inside that fort. And one can, yeah, there is a nominal ticket and you must take a guide when you go inside. And that guide will take you inside and will show you all those ancient temples. There are s- small shops and a uh, small market inside the fort itself. Things like handicrafts, etc. can be bought inside. And uh, there is an ancient Jain temple inside that Jaisalmer fort. And that has, again, some really nice carvings and sculptures and whatnot, and some ancient images of Jain, uh, Jain deities and, and other Hindu temple as well. So that's a great attraction. Okay. Right. And then from Jaisalmer, many tourists do this also. They really enjoy is that they, it's a short 30 minutes of car ride. And uh, you, one can go into sand dunes and enjoy some really nice traditional music, dancing and, and singing by traditional artists of Rajasthan. So they are, yeah, they are okay. right inside the, these sand dunes. At night, it could be a little cold because of the sand, which gets cold in the at night, but still bearable. And uh, so nice food and music there. Uh, yeah, so there are basically temples and this fort and havelis in Jaisalmer is what all I did. Okay. Then from Jaisalmer, a train, bus or a car ride to a city called Jodhpur, which is about mm-hmm. five or six hours of a car ride, I think I would say, a bus ride or car ride. Jodhpur is my mother's hometown, so I can tell you many more things about Jodhpur. Jodhpur is also called as the Sun City. Sun City being, again, being very hot and warm in the during the summer months. But other months are fine. After July, August, it's much bearable. It's it's fine to visit that city. In Jodhpur, again, there is a this palace called the Umed Palace. Mm-hmm. And Umed Palace is, is very, very popular for tourists, both uh, Indian tourists and foreign tourists. And again, that palace also has a part of, part of it is used as a hotel, uh, I think seven-star hotel, five-star hotel. And yeah, one can stay there and enjoy some really nice food and uh, visit the palace. And then there is another separate fort. So there is a palace, Umid Palace. And then there is a fort also, which is built on this large hill. And one can spend several hours inside that fort also and enjoy some really nice architecture and whatnot again handicrafts shopping and, and etc we also have several lakes and several ponds inside jodhpur and these are the water harvesting bodies that the kings and emperors built traditionally to preserve water because water remains a very scarce resource in rajasthan so all these water sites were, were built and many lakes and ponds uh, kailana being the prominent one a lot of shopping to be done also in jodhpur with saris and traditional handicrafts Handlooms. As we were talking, I was looking up when we're staying in the palace because we talked about it a little bit before. So just to put this in perspective, if I wanted to stay in the palace that you were talking about here, it's very well regarded. Great, great reviews on on TripAdvisor. Yes, Uh, it starts at about seven fifty a night. Although you might be able to get a deal to get down to five sixty two or so, which is what it's on sale for in two weekends from now. But to put that in perspective, there are also places at four and a half star guest houses for thirteen dollars a night or mm-hmm. 
small hotels for $30 a night or whatever. So you don't have to spend <laughs> that much to stay right. in India. But if that's the level of comfort that you are uh, looking for, that is available as well. Great. Uh, then from Jodhpur, we can come down to now southern Rajasthan, southern mm-hmm. central Rajasthan, which is where the city called Udaipur is. Mm-hmm. Udaipur also one of the most popular destinations uh, within India for foreign tourists, especially very, very nicely built, very well-planned city, also called as the Lake City. Hmm. Okay, I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, so we have Jaipur as the Pink City, Jodhpur mm-hmm. as the Sun City, and Udaipur as the Lake City, city of lakes. And and all again, these lakes were built by these emperors, kings, because of the water issue that were always there. But the rainwater was very meticulously preserved in all these lakes and ponds hmm. and and yeah, and some of the lakes were used by the royal family, queen especially, so separate, a uh, small separate section of a lake for used only for the queens, uh, that is in Udaipur. Udaipur again uh, has these uh, heritage sites, uh, palaces, forts, and many palaces turn into hotels now, uh, Lake Palace uh, being the most prominent one. Right, the most famous, I think. The Lake Pichola, Lake Fateh Sagar, Lake uh, Dutalai the palace, Sajjan Garden, on and on. So many palaces and and uh, lakes and gardens. Garden called Gulab Sagar. Garden, Gulab Sagar means uh, the ocean of roses. <laughs> there is a temple again for one of the goddess temples also in Udaipur where uh, one can ride on this cart and that, that cart will take you all the way up the hill and uh, you can get the entire view of the city of Udaipur from that hill and get to this temple as well. Yeah, and again, a uh, lot of shopping to be done. A lot of artwork uh, can be also purchased in, in Udaipur. A lot of traditional painters, artists. We bought several paintings, traditional paintings in Udaipur recently. The other thing I would say with the Lake Palace, it's it's going to be fairly expensive again if you want to stay there. Oh, yeah. But there is also the option that there are restaurants uh, available there that are open to the public. It's a fixed rate restaurant. It's going to be more expensive than uh, finding samosas at the local shop downtown. But that mm. might be an interesting way if you want to get a glimpse at that palace and yet uh, still stay within your budget. All right. Thank you. you had mentioned um, nature preserves, but we haven't talked about any yet. Do you have one that's further up on our itinerary here? There is one on the way from Jaipur to Bikaner, where mm-hmm. uh, while on the car, from the car itself, one can take a peek at this uh, wildlife sanctuary where hundreds of deer and black bucks are roaming around and uh, they are preserved, not just by the government efforts, but also by because it's part of the religious traditions to not to never hurt uh, an animal. So many traditional communities such as Vishnois have preserved these animals as part of their religious tradition. Okay. Speaking of food, there is a one of my favorite restaurants in, in Jodhpur was Gypsy, G-Y-P-S-Y. Okay. That's a very uh, famous restaurant. In Udaipur... Now, uh, that seems like an sorry. odd name for a Indian restaurant, although <laughs> I should say that the people we commonly call uh, gypsies, the Roma people, do have origins in India, but why why gypsy? Do you know why that has that name? <laughs> <laughs> I think gypsy simply comes from the people who are nomads or, or who are considered as nomads in India. Okay. So all, I guess, all travelers and tourists are, in a way, nomads in, in some ways. Okay. Uh, right? So that's what they're probably t- they're trying to target. That's That might be the reason for naming the restaurant in that way. Interesting, okay. Also, uh, the name of the Jain temple in Jaisalmer was Lodhruva, Lodhruva temple, okay. which also has a special tree called Kalp Vriksha, wish-fulfilling tree. Okay. So make sure you go there with a lot of your wishes that are to be fulfilled. And apparently, if you make a wish there under that tree, 
the wish will be fulfilled <laughs> once in your lifetime at least good to know so, good to know <laughs> now what if we just wish we could visit rajasthan we have to actually be there for the wish to be, be fulfilled there, yeah ah, be there well. and and wish for your revisit. So when you wish revisit, for a revisit. Okay, there you go. That, All right. That's where, that's how it can happen. Yeah. Also, in the havelis that we were talking about, the palatial mansion mm-hmm. that the traders built, those are called as a patwa haveli. Patwa means a trader. Traditional a trader caste was patwa or still mm-hmm. is patwa. And haveli means simply palatial mansion. So patwa haveli is the uh, that mansion in Jaisalmer. Got it. Okay. In Udapur, the lake city in the southern central Rajasthan, mm-hmm. one of the major attractions is the Sajjangarh Fort. Sajjangarh okay. Fort. So it's a fort on a hill. So it's a bit of a ride from probably 15-20 minutes ride from the main city. And from that fort, one can get the entire view of the of the city. Very nicely uh, built on top of the hill and gives you this great view of the city called the Sajjangarh Fort. Another major attraction in Udapur is the city palace. And City Palace, again, is the place where some of the royal family members are still living. Hmm. And it's a, it's a fairly large palace, one of the largest palaces, I think, uh, in entire India. So we need at least a couple of hours, three, four hours to visit the palace, like the Amir Palace that we talked about in Jaipur. Mm-hmm. So this palace is, is also very similar and very large and very lavishly built. Also in Udaipur, there is another place called Sukhadia Circle. Sukhadia is a traditional caste name. And uh, the one who donated, and that's how the circle got its name after. And that's a place where one can enjoy some nice boat ride and nice food around there, especially in the evenings. Camel ride, uh, elephant ride, horse ride uh, around that circle. So all that is possible at the Sukharia Circle. Nice little center in the city. Okay. I, um, I, I would say this because this is the second yeah. time we mentioned elephant rides. Yeah. Before you do an elephant ride, I would just encourage you to spend a little time <laughs> on the ecotourism sites uh, that talk oh, yeah. about elephant rides and um, not something we necessarily encourage. We'll let you make your own decision, but uh, do a little research before you do that. The other question I have with yeah. with Rajasthan is so I know where Rajasthan is on the map, uh-huh. <laughs> right? But I uh-huh. don't know what's going to be different for me. How can I tell when I'm in Rajasthan and I'm not in New Delhi or Varanasi or whatever? What's what's something very Rajasthani? <laughs> One thing that distinguishes Rajasthani males especially mm-hmm. is that many of them will wear a white turban, small white mm-hmm. turban. Right. Uh, these are people, especially in villages and small towns or uh, even in the in the cities. More traditionally. Traditional yeah. wear is, yeah, traditional wear is this uh, loose clothing. Clothing is u- usually loose uh, for both for males and females, but mm-hmm. males will wear, wear this uh, traditional turbans, usually in white or lighter colors. Uh, women will wear uh, bright color saris for the most part. Many of women will also cover their head or uh, even faces in some cases. Hmm. Oh, I didn't so, see that. Okay. Yeah. So that may be one way to distinguish uh, Rajasthanis from uh, rest of Indians. Well, and you say that yeah. women will wear the brightly colored saris. I noticed yeah. when I looked back on my photos from India uh-huh. that India is very colorful, but yes. so often it's it's the women in the yes. in the oh, photo, yes. and then the <laughs> right. men are wearing tans and whites and uh, yeah, things yeah. in that right. sort of color spectrum. Uh, right, right. Was very typical right. of these pictures, and I just love the yes. bright, colorful saris that the women were wear. It's quite right. beautiful. Right, and make sure you don't miss a wedding scene in India. Wedding is where the most festivities are happening. So all these big processions are happening. Yep. The bridegroom is coming on a horse. Uh, it's a female horse, I think, in most cases. But he's sitting on this horse, and a uh, lot of people are dancing, throwing money around. 
And even in those weddings, the males are usually white or lightly colored robes. Mm-hmm. The brides are in red, bright red sarees or uh, traditional dresses. So again, you see that same contrast, bright colors for ladies, lighter colors for, for males, even in the weddings. Excellent. Well, and then we also talk about Indian food as if there was yes. one thing, which of oh, course no, no. it's not. No, no. <laughs> so what is, yeah. what is Rajasthani food? Yeah. And Rajasthani food, most famous food from Rajasthan is called as the dal bati. Dal bati. Dal is this lentils, yep. lentils that are cooked, nicely cooked and, and fried and, and with a lot of spices. And uh, bati is a bowl of, of uh, wheat flour, okay. nicely cooked, baked uh, uh, in a tandoor, traditional tandoor oven. And a lot of ghee is put in, in those bhatis and one can say for, for ask for lesser ghee if, if one is conscious of calories. And so this dal bhati is, is one of the most famous and uniquely uh, Rajasthani dish. Uh, so that is definitely to be enjoyed at least once, either in Udaipur or any part of, of Rajasthan. One can easily get dal bhati. Dal means lentils. Mm-hmm. Bhati means bowl of this wheat flour. Got so it. that's and that. Again, we're talking about a cuisine that is less spicy than I'd get if I went further south. Uh, and if I want to over oversimplify, is that am I close? Uh, no, the level of spice can vary uh, according okay. to one's taste. Uh, what we do traditionally is that we mix a paste of garlic and red chili. Oh yeah. So ghee, okay. garlic, and red chili. <laughs> if we make, mix it, it it can be very spicy. So we add that in in this dish itself. So depending on how much this paste of garlic and red chili you are mixing with the dal you can make it very spicy or less spicy. So that Got can it. vary from across the spectrum. Yeah. Well, and I found that it depended a lot of where you were. We, When we were traveling through India, yes. when I just went to the little shop around the corner from the hotel in Delhi where the locals were eating, then the level of spice was much higher. Right. When we were in Agra at a Western-style hotel, it was bland. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. They, <laughs> it was boring. Uh, <laughs> Right. Uh, Rajasthan is, I think, one of the top three states in India where a lot of many foreign tourists have been coming for now for decades and decades. Sure, yeah. So many of the restaurants are, I think, very uh, careful and uh, are aware about the taste <laughs> uh, that uh, foreign tourists uh, are, are accustomed to. Uh, in addition to dalbati, let me mention a couple of more dishes, actually, now talking about food, Rajasthani food. There is one very excellent, my favorite dish anyway, is, is called as gatta curry. Gatta is the lentil flour okay. or gram flour rather and then that gram flour is, is made into small pieces nicely baked and then fried in, in this curry that's okay. also very very interesting to, to enjoy uh, then there is one more curry dish called Ker Sangri so K-E-R-S-A-N-G-A-R-I and that is made with traditional herbs and plants of Rajasthan they grow only in Rajasthan Okay. And those those plants, leaves, herbs, they are cooked and, and uh, fried and that also served with, with small curry. So those are some traditional dishes of Rajasthan. Nowhere else uh, one can get in India. There's a map of Indian cuisine, traditional cuisines of India. So every state yeah, has I, a I love that. I will link that yeah, in I, the show notes so that people can find that. Uh, before I forget, also when you're asking what is distinguishing about Rajasthan, Camels are the most distinguishing feature oh, of sure. Rajasthan. Well, that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because because of the desert state, uh, camels are used for transportation, for carrying uh, loads and goods across from Rajasthan to, to different parts of India. Camels are also used for their milk. Uh, many believe that camel milk has a special medicinal properties. So there is some research is going on on the milk of camel, how it can be helpful to cure diabetes and things like that. Huh. So so okay. camels are yeah very interesting <laughs> Distinguishing feature. Uh, there is one more place I will add. 
Okay. One hour drive from Udaipur is a place called Jai Samand. Jai Samand. Jai means victory, and Samand is another. Uh, this one of those lakes, the one of the emperors built, and that's a nice small island inside this lake. It's one of the largest, second largest artif- man-made lake uh, in Asia. And hmm. inside that lake is a nice uh, hotel again, and one can stay in that hotel, enjoy a nice dance, music, artic, you know, all those standard handicrafts and food and everything. One of the favorites by the for the tourists. So that is a additional uh, place. Also from Udaipur, I, I think about one hour drive from Udaipur, is the largest uh, fort of India, called Kumbhal Gad. Gad means fort, hmm. and the name is Kumbhal. K U M B H A L. Yeah, many tourists miss this place because I, it's, it's a bit of, of a distance. Yeah, it's it's amazing place. It's again one of the yeah. This is also UNESCO heritage site. Yeah. So Indian government has very meticulously maintained it now very very nicely, very green clean ride all from Udaipur to this place, and from that that fort site there is another small place called Haldi Ghati where uh, it's a site where a very famous battle had taken place between Akbar and a Rajasthani Rajput king Maharana Pratap and so it's a historic site also. Many people miss it because it's it's a bit of a distance from Udaipur, so that probably completes the, the itinerary. Excellent. You're standing in the prettiest spot in Rajasthan. Mm-hmm. Where are you standing? And what are you looking at? All right, <laughs> there could be so many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one could be right here where, where we ended actually in Kumbhalgarh. There's once you reach the last final point of this fort. On top of the fort, if you uh, stand at that fort site. You will see miles and miles, probably hundreds of miles of lush green forest, hmm. and and in this forest you will see this long wall of this fort covering miles and miles of this, almost like the wall of China, but not we're not in China, we're in India. Mm-hmm. So this can be called as the Great Wall of India, and many even Indians don't know about this Great Wall of India, and that's in Kumbhalgarh. So that could be one of the sites. Also in Udaipur, I was mentioning this Mother Goddess Temple, and from there, uh, the entire city of, view of the city is, is very pretty also with all these lakes, and, and then these hotels mushrooming within these lakes are also very pretty. So, uh, actually, I'll ask you a special question. So, since you live in Dallas now, yeah, uh, and have been there for years, right. one place in Rajasthan that's just very similar to where you live now, and another place that is so very, very different. Similarity is very rare to find between Rajasthan and Texas. It's totally different worlds. <laughs> I guess I'm, I do miss my wildlife that I used to see, flora and fauna to, to be more specific, all those animals roaming around in the city uh, and, and highways and so on. So that's uh, that's not to be found in Texas for sure. I think differences are more than than the similarities, uh, the traditional music. If you these, had to put one spot on the map in Rajasthan and say this is the spot that is the most different that Americans uh, you know, should go because they'll feel like they're no place else. Almost every place in, in Rajasthan, <laughs> uh, even in the middle of this road, even all these palaces, forts, uh, restaurants, musical scenes, festivals, uh, parks, gardens, they're all really, I think, very, very radically different from anything that we see in, in America. Many times I tell my students, it's not a different country. It's a totally different planet. It's a different <laughs> uh, time period in, in the history of the world. It's like going back uh, several centuries, and it's so different. You have to go and see to believe it. You have to really experience those sounds and smells and colors and energy and, and whatnot. If you had to summarize Rajasthan in just three words, what three words would you pick? 
colors, full of colors. Yep. Taste, excellent taste mm-hmm. and be prepared to be overwhelmed with these tastes. And people, just very friendly people. They're extremely, okay. extremely friendly people. That's I've been to other other parts of the world. I've been to China and other parts of the world also. But I think India remains the most friendliest uh, people to for, for foreign tourists. And they just love to show you around. And if you, I remember uh, I was lost at one point of time at a different city. And the, somebody would actually walk with me for, for a mile together just to show me around, just to make sure that I reach my destination properly. So that kind of a really helpful attitude is uh, so colors and food. And I, I found that a lot of people yeah. in, in Jaipur, which is the only the cities I've been to that we talked about, uh, a yeah. lot of people would follow us around as well, but it wasn't always to see if they could help us. It was yeah. sometimes to see if we could help them. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that happens too. Oh, can I add one more restaurant in Jaipur? Maybe you can sure, absolutely. Uh, in Jaipur, make sure you visit a place called LMB Restaurant. LMB. It's a pretty traditional style of Rajasthani food, and they give you this big thali. With more than 100 dishes in the thali with, uh, with, with desserts and spicy food, curry and uh, papadam and all kinds of dishes all together, dal bati. So all the traditional food of, of Rajasthan can be enjoyed either at this LMB restaurant. Oh, let me add those two also. There is two more <laughs> restaurants if I can well, add. Before you go to the other restaurants, I want, to, I want you to find thali. Oh, not thali is a, it's a large, large plate. <laughs> large plate with several uh, small cups in that. Yep. So it's all made steel plates and steel cups, mm-hmm. and they will fill you, fill all these cups with with curries and and desserts and whatnot. Okay. That's the thali. The Indian philosophy of food, if I may say that, is the philosophy is that the all kinds of food should be enjoyed together: spicy right. food, desserts, <laughs> and wheat and rice all together instead of buffet style, where we take one dish, we finish that one dish, and then we get go to the second dish. That's not the way Indians enjoy their food. They mix all these things together all mm-hmm. simultaneously. So it all comes the, at the same time too. So you've got comes, exactly, eight exactly. things on your plate or something like exactly. that. Exactly. It's yep, a philosophy exactly. of yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a philosophy of nine nine tastes, nine colors, nine tastes, nine nine. Days okay. For I did not so know nine, that. Okay. Yeah, nine is a very sec- sacred, special number in Indian philosophy. I was doing eight from the top of my head, just guessing, trying to picture the one of these big tallies. But okay, right. nine. Okay, right. Uh, and yeah, and then I wanted to add two huge, uh, again, palatial these palatial restaurants. Mm-hmm. One is called as a Chokhi Dhani. Now, Dhani means a village. Chokhi mm-hmm. means a beautiful village. So it's a Chokhi Dhani is a large, very large traditional heritage restaurant in Jaipur. And where uh, one can spend several hours, not just food, but again, a lot of uh, festivities are going on, a lot of dancing, music, shopping, all that can be enjoyed there. So they will serve in in a very traditional manner. They will treat you like royals. Uh, They will make you sit and they will offer you all these great food and they will make sure you're entertained like a royal emperor. Uh, So that's Chokidhani in Jaipur. And in the same style, also in Udaipur, something called as Apni Dhani. Now, Apni means our, and Dhani means village, our village. And again, there's a similar idea there. Also, they will have the traditional ma- magic show, the traditional gymnastic show. Of course, the food with all those special treatment, they will treat you like a royal emperor again. Again, the thali system. So this big thali with all these nine tastes all together served to you in a very royal manner. And so make sure you yeah, Chokhi Dhani in Jaipur and Apni Dhani in Udaipur. So also nice places to enjoy. Excellent. Well, our guest again has been Dr. Pantaj Jain. And Dr. Jain, I thank you so much for coming on Amateur Traveler and sharing with us your obvious love for your home region of Rajasthan. 
Thank you. It was fun. And thanks for having me. In news of the community, I had an iTunes review last week from Senior Drool Cup. <laughs> I, I didn't make that up. Been using this podcast for several years, and it's given me wonderful travel ideas. The host is smart and easy to listen to. The guests are invariably interesting. I have literally used this podcast to plan travel to specific sites and been inspired to look at locations that I never knew existed. One issue, you want the iTunes enhanced version that comes with the photographs and maps. This version has never worked on my iPhone for some reason, so I often have to listen to the podcast on my web browser, which is not convenient. I'm not sure if this is the podcast's fault or Apple's fault, so I'm not digging them for a star for it. Give this podcast a try. Five stars. And I'm not sure about that either. It works on my phone, so I'm not sure what the issue you're running into is is you might try just opening up the podcast itself from the web page. I know that that's not what you're looking for. But one thing I do want to remind people, we're sort of in the process that I announced last August that the plan would be that you'd have to open up that one from the web page because I want to be able to insert ads into the older shows. And so I'm, I'm going to be driving a lot of people towards the MP3 version. It, I thought it would happen in September, but I'm waiting for something from my hosting site. So it has just taken a long time, but that's still the plan. With that, we're going to end this episode of Amateur Traveler. If you have any questions, send an email to host at amateurtraveler.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at amateurtraveler.com. And thanks so much for listening.